0: Guide us, O thou great Jehovah, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Our New Testament reading this morning comes from Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. Hear the word of the Lord. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our Old Testament scripture is from Psalm 139. This summer, while we, this faith community, have been on sabbatical alongside Bobby, we have been spending time savoring the Psalms. Hopefully, individually, you have been praying a psalm a day as they've been sent out each morning. Today, we are on Psalm 77. But we've also been studying the psalms together on Sunday mornings. And Nelson and I have chosen different types that represent the wide variety of psalms in the Bible. Last week, I preached about the, the lament psalms and how more than half of the Psalter are laments these honest cries of the heart to God during seasons when life has been turned upside down. Theologian Walter Brueggemann calls laments psalms of disorientation because when you are suffering or in anguish, life is disoriented, and the emotions we express to God are sadness or anger, fear, disappointment, and longing. Last week, we learned how important it is for us to know how to lament even if we are not in a season of suffering because it helps us know how to pray with others in their pain and it gives us practice for when we will go through a season of disorientation ourselves. I hope this past week you were able to be more comfortable with some of the lament psalms in our scripture even if we are not in a season of suffering ourselves. This morning though, we are going to look at a psalm of orientation. And that is a song that expresses praise, joy, awe and gratitude. And Psalm 139 is one of my favorite psalms because it connects deeply to my part of a part of my story. Listen or follow along in your Bibles as I read Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there Your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them as yet existed." How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! I try to count them, they are more than the sand. I come to the end, and I am still with you. Oh, that you would kill the wicked, O God, and that the bloodthirsty would depart from me. Those who speak of you maliciously and lift themselves up against you for evil. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The first time that my husband Phil and I found out that we were pregnant, we were very cautious and committed not to tell anyone until we felt like we were in the clear. We knew too many things could go wrong and we were worried about a miscarriage. I shared with you last week um, about our struggle with infertility. So Phil and I had our little secret. While externally, no one could tell that I was pregnant, we knew that there was a tiny life growing inside of me And we wanted so much for him or her to live. It's amazing how much you can love someone who was not even born, who doesn't even know that they are loved. Well, I couldn't wait for that big first sonogram to verify if the pregnancy was viable, and I was nervous, too. But as soon as the tech started the ultrasound, I could see the tiny blob that was our baby. And right away, she pointed out the heartbeat going fast and strong. And I couldn't stop staring at the screen. And boy, let me tell you, I was in love. If you've ever seen a sonogram, you know how incredible it is. And so for me, these familiar verses from Psalm 139 took on a deeper meaning. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. That I know very well. Talk about amazing. God knew each of us before we were born, when we were being formed in our mother's womb. God is the one who made us, and He loved us even before we knew we were loved. As I mentioned, Psalm 139 is a psalm of orientation, which is a song that evokes gratitude for the constancy of God's blessing. Even more specifically, Psalm 139 is a song of creation. These types of psalms in the Bible describe the state in which the authors and we are happy and confident in God's abiding and reliable gifts. One theologian writes Life, as reflected in these psalms, is seen as a well ordered world God intended. Life reflected in the Psalms of creation, Psalms of orientation, is seen as a well-ordered world intended by God. Because when God created the world, it was perfect. There was harmony between people and earth and animals. Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. The lions and lambs could lie down together. They had no fear of being hunted. And God was, and humans had an intimate and unbroken relationship. Everything flourished. Everything was whole. That was God's original intention. Psalm 139, like other psalms of orientation, function to praise and thank God for his gifts, for the way God intended the world to be. But also, these types of psalms function to assure us when things may not be all that it seems or we'd like in our lives. They assure us and point us back to the truth of who God is and his intention for his creation. Psalm 139 is both descriptive and prescriptive. Let me tell you what that means, or let me explain a little bit. It's descriptive because it describes something about God, uh, about who God is or what God is like. And it is prescriptive because it shows us what we are supposed to do about this knowledge of God. Psalm 139 describes how our relationship with God began. We were not hidden from God, the psalmist says. Verse 16, your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me when none of them as yet existed. Because Phil and I went through um, infertility treatments and we went through the process of in vitro, we had the amazing gift of being able to see a picture of our baby when she was only six to eight cells. Pretty amazing. That is only something that you can see through a microscope. But even before the invention of microscopes, the psalmist declares the truth that God knew God knew my daughter Allison even at two, four, or six cells. God created her and knew her and chose her and chose us to be her parents. What an absolute miracle. And in the same way, the truth is God knows us because he created every cell of our being and saw us as we were being formed. God knew every single day of our life before we even lived it. God has a purpose for our lives. Presbyterians like to use a fancy word, predestination. This idea that God loved us before we loved God and that God knows us and has a purpose for our lives. Beloved children of God, the truth is God's grace is at work in our lives even if we are not aware of it. God's grace is at work in our lives even if you are not aware of it. Psalm 139 describes this reality, and this reality should cause us to respond like the psalmist in praise and awe and thanksgiving. And if we go back to the beginning of the psalm, verse 1 through 4 says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. God, as our creator, has intimate knowledge of us. The word know in Hebrew, yada, is used several times in just these first few verses. It describes Not only who God is, that God is the one who searches and knows. But the emphasis of Psalm 139 is on the relationship between the psalmist and God. Between us and God. Theologians call this the I-thou relationship. That wherever I am, you are God. I and thou. Wherever I am, God is there too. God knows when we sit and when we stand. He knows our thoughts before we think them. He knows which way we are going to walk and what we are going to say before we say it. Verse 5 goes on to say, You hem me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. That image is of God right in front of you, right behind you, surrounding you like a guard. When my kids were growing up, sometimes they would be afraid at night, of course, being afraid of the dark, or maybe if they have woken up uh, from a bad dream. And I would teach them to pray, um, to call out the name Jesus. One day, um, I remember my son saying to me, it didn't work, I got up in the middle of the night and I had a bad dream, I prayed Jesus and it didn't work. And so I had to teach them, the truth of the matter is, even if you don't see Jesus, Jesus is here, and I want you to picture God being at the foot of your bed, at the head of your bed, surrounding you, just as the psalm says, that God is hemming you in, behind and in front and all around you, guarding you. The psalmist continues, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I go? There's no escaping the presence of God. If you go up, God is there. If you go down, he's there. If you try to go to the farthest, most distant corner of the earth or sea, God is there too. There's nowhere we can go where we have to be afraid of being alone. God is always with us. Even in the depths of Sheol, in the darkness, God is light. God's right hand will hold us fast, tightly, the psalmist says. God's us in his grip. That sounds comforting, right? The description of God as omnipotent, all-powerful, and omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent, all-present, everywhere. These are descriptive theological statements about God that should give us comfort. Except when they don't. Because the flip side of that is, there is no escape from God. Now think about it. God knows everything about you. He sees everything, good and bad. So for someone who might be trying to run away from God or disregard God altogether, this might be a scary thought. You can't escape God. God sees the sin. He sees the evil in this world. And God is going to do something about it, and that's why the psalmist prays and asks God to do away with evil. In verse nineteen, "Oh that you would kill the wicked, O God!" God is a holy God, and evil and sin cannot withstand God's presence. And so, this is how the psalm then becomes prescriptive for us, because if we understand that we cannot escape God that God sees everything about us, good and bad, then we have a choice how we are going to respond to God. Are we going to acknowledge God's sovereignty, God's omnipotence, his omnipresence, that God is our creator and that God knows us? Or will we turn away and try to live life as if we are our own masters? The psalmist ends the psalm with these words. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. The poet began the psalm asserting the truth. God, you have searched me. You have known me. And now the psalmist ends his prayer in response, turning toward God. Asking God to search him. You already know me, God, but now I choose to turn to you and allow you to search me and know me. That's what the psalmist is saying. I'm not going to try to hide from you. I want you. I'm inviting you to know me. The prescription for sin is to have a relationship with God. And we can have that by turning toward God. God and receiving his offer to know him too. Jesus came to offer us a new relationship with God through him. When Jesus came to earth and died on the cross, it was the fullest expression of God's love for you and for me. His sacrifice allows us to be cleansed of all of our sins. It wipes away all of our wrongdoing, our bad choices, the ways we've turned our backs on God the ways we've tried to live life as if we were our own masters god came to offer us a jesus came to offer us a restored relationship with god a healed and whole relationship that was god's original intention and the best news is god has not given up on you no matter how broken you think you are no matter how far you think that you have run away god has not given up on you God has taken the initiative to seek you out. God first loved you. God first loved you. God knows everything about you. Your joy, your pain, your frustrations, your sadness, your shame. God created you and he knows you by name. He's wooing you and pursuing you, loving you and calling you to have a relationship with him. He's not waiting for us to clean up our act first. Romans 5, 8, as we heard earlier, says, But God proves his love for us by this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This, brothers and sisters, is God's grace at work in your life. It's a gift of God's love before you did anything to love him back. His grace has been at work in your life before you have ever even been aware of it. God's grace and love is given to us before we respond to God. He has been at work in our lives before we enter the world. He is our creator and knows us intimately, just as we, Phil and I, knew our daughter Allison by name before she was even born. And now, as a parent to three children, I have a beautiful and deeper understanding of God's love. I know that I've loved my daughter Allison and my daughter Bailey and my son Bennett before they were born, before they even could love me back. I knew them by name. In the same way, God knows us by name. He formed us in our mother's womb. He knew every day of our life before it even happened. And he sees each moment as we live it. And God always hears us when we respond to God's love and call out to him. There's no escaping God. And friends, that truly is good news. So how will you respond to him today? What is God wanting to speak to you in your life? What does God want to hammer home about God's enduring love for you? Will you turn to God and respond as the psalmist did. Search me, O oh God, and know me. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.